Welcome to Safety Bites, a weekly podcast on all things related to workplace safety, hosted by me, Jason Schaffenbuhl. The thoughts expressed in this podcast are based upon my opinion and general best practices, which may not apply to all listeners. Always consult with a qualified professional before making any changes in your organization. In workplaces where job tasks place high physical demands upon employees, there may be a positive return on investment if employees must pass a physical ability test before being hired. For example, can an employee lift 50 pounds or can they climb a ladder as required for the job they are interested in? This will ensure a prospective employee is not placed into a position with job demands that exceed the individual's capabilities with the focus on keeping the employee safe and injury-free. The Equal Opportunity Employment Commission, or EEOC, permits the use of pre-hire physical ability tests as long as they do not contain a medical component. Medical tests are tests that measure a physiological response to an activity, such as blood pressure or heart rate, are invasive and or require taking a sample of body fluids, or are tests that are routinely performed by medical personnel. Medical tests can only be completed post-offer, and they must be consistent with business necessity. I must note, tests for illegal drug use are not considered medical tests. Examples of employment tests include cognitive tests to assess reasoning, memory, perceptual speed and accuracy, or skills in arithmetic or reading comprehension. Personality tests and integrity tests are criminal background checks. Employment tests may include physical ability tests to determine if an individual can perform a particular task or if they have the strength and stamina needed to complete the job. Today, I want to focus on these non-medical physical ability tests. Such a test compares an individual's physical abilities against the physical demands of the job they are seeking. Ideally, if an individual has the physical ability to do the job, then they should be able to complete the job safely. However, this thought is overly simplistic, as many jobs are simply not safe. And while an individual may be able to pass a suitable test on one day, this does not mean they can perform the job over the length of a career or even a month. One of the best tests I've seen that duplicates the demands of a job and force expenditure is with a bottled water delivery company. They had applicants actually load and unload a truck as part of their physical ability test because it was the actual job. But if a person can pass the test today, can they do that task five days a week for five years without injury? Maybe not. I've also seen tests that theoretically should work, but everyone that took the test passed. In other words, everyone can do the job, so why is the test even necessary? Those types of tests are not worth your investment. How can this be? Some physical ability tests are simply poorly chosen surrogates for the actual job task. For example, maybe an employee needs to lift 50-pound boxes onto a conveyor, a task I would say that is not safe for most employees, 20 times per hour or 5 boxes per 15 minutes. So as part of the organization's physical ability test, the applicants lift 5 boxes onto a table the same height as a conveyor, and the applicant must complete the task in 15 minutes. The applicant performs the task, but since the organization cannot take blood pressure or pulse rate, no one realizes that the person is performing the task at an extreme limit of his or her physical ability and likely couldn't have continued on longer, such as for an hour or an entire work shift. So, the applicant really isn't capable of performing the task, even though the applicant passed the test. Is this the fault of the test? No. The test is straightforward. Lift five 50-pound boxes in 15 minutes onto a table. Is the test representative of the task? Kind of but it doesn't provide a full picture. In other situations, employers may use an isokinetic test, which relies upon the measurement of joint force and speed. Usually, there's a vendor who provides the test, such as an occupational health clinic. The vendor then correlates the test results with the demands of the job. Can this work? Absolutely. Is it perfect? 
No. Too often employers don't understand what the test is measuring or understand the limitations of the test, so they don't question the vendor about the limitations of the results or the applicability of the results to the actual job task being tested for. My favorite example of this was a situation where an employer had a task that required employees to walk while carrying a load and separately operate a foot controller that required some dexterity. After a phone interview, the employer sent the applicant to a vendor for testing. To test for walking ability, the vendor relied upon the force and speed generated by the knee joints to ensure the strength to walk and carry the necessary load. The applicant passed the test and was sent to the employer's location to be placed in the new job. When the new employee arrived at work, the employer realized that the applicant was in a wheelchair and had both legs amputated just below the knees, but had enough lower leg length and strength to complete the physical test. What was the employer to do in this situation? The applicant passed the test because the test didn't encompass the actual demands. It substituted force and speed measurements for the need to carry a load and walk. I don't know how the situation turned out, but the employer was quite upset. You can see that either the vendor's zeal to test for the employer or the employer's lack of understanding led to a major gap in the test. There's one other major concern with physical ability testing. In 2018, the EEOC started cracking down on employers who conduct pre-employment physical ability testing that discriminates against classes of applicants. One such case involved Hirschbach Motor Lines, a trucking firm. The company used a back assessment where applicants had to balance and stand on one leg, touch their toes while standing on one leg, and crawl to see if the applicants could drive a truck. The EEOC felt that the test discriminated against females and found that job offers were rescinded even after drivers had received their DOT medical fitness for duty card. Hirschbach paid $3.2 million to the females affected. In August of 2020, Walmart agreed to pay $20 million and stop using physical ability tests for at least five years when hiring at their grocery distribution centers because the tests had a disparate impact on female applicants. When using physical ability tests, employers need to make sure that the test is validated for the positions and purposes for which it is used. The test must be based upon the specific demands of the job and not a group of jobs. So if the demands are different for five jobs in your organization, you may need separate tests for each job. You simply cannot rely upon using the most extreme demands from each job to create a single test. If the test has a disparate impact on a protected group, the employer must determine if there is an equally effective alternative procedure that has a less adverse impact and adopt that alternative procedure. Most employers do not have the resources to validate job demands, create tests, and validate the test to ensure they do not have a disparate impact. You will likely need to find a vendor that specializes in physical ability testing to help you comply with EEOC requirements. An important note, employers who retain vendors to conduct physical ability tests are still responsible for ensuring the screening complies with federal law, not the vendors. The employers will be the ones taken to court and will pay if they lose, not the vendors. So what should you do? I would ask that instead of spending money on physical ability testing, use the money you would spend to make the job safer and minimize physical demands. If you are successful at that, you'll likely find employees are happier, stay on the job longer, and productivity is increased. Benefits you will not see with physical ability testing. Physical ability testing doesn't address the root problem. It simply masks it. If you're doing physical ability testing, consider the elements I discussed. Are the physical demands you are testing for validated? Does your testing assess the applicant's abilities against those validated demands? Does the testing impact all classes relatively equally? Is your testing eliminating applicants who cannot do the job? If your answer to any of these questions is no, then you need to immediately take action to address the deficiencies.
If you're still considering performing testing, start with validated job demands. From that information, you or your vendor should be able to determine if the testing will provide any return on investment. If it may, then ensure your testing procedures meet the EEOC requirements. As I indicated before, there are situations where physical ability testing does have a positive return on investment, but it is limited to a very small number of jobs. Probably less than 5% of the job tasks would be suitable for physical ability testing. A good vendor should be able to help you identify those situations and avoid those where the return on investment may be questionable. Physical ability testing can be a potential legal nightmare. Please talk to appropriate legal counsel if you have any questions about testing you may be performing or testing you are considering. Remember, what you do for safety today could prevent an injury tomorrow. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and will join me next week. Until then, please make time each day to create a safer workplace.